0: All right, welcome to the second episode of Moot, and I am Jeremy, one of your hosts. And I'm Joe, the other one. That's true, he is the other host. Um, (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about uh, male role models and our changing bodies.
1: And what it's like to be be a man in the 21st century. That's right, yeah. And why is that, Joe? Because we're men and we're now in the 21st century that's true and it's different
0: than the 20th century
1: yeah it's very different times they are changing
0: is it helpful to like go back and say it's also different from the 18th and the
1: 17th and 16th what you lost me oh sorry yeah i'm gonna start this over no <laughs> <laughs> no you're not you're not gonna try and be some like pitch perfect uh, radio host <laughs> what kind of standard is that for me to live up to? Well, it's good
0: to make all your mistakes up front. So then uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you can relax afterward.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. Well, so our podcast. What, what, we got to think about what, what, what's really different now. If, if, if you're a man now, right? Which you are. Which I am. You don't know that. Well, I mean, 2020, you can be whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Right. Have changed a lot. Like, uh, if you are, uh, if you're a man now, like, what, what, how, how do you feel like you're at your peak? How do you feel like you you fit into society in the best possible way? That's also the best for your feeling of self worth, the way you view yourself, who you want to be. How can you best be who you want to be, and also fit into this into society in like a useful and and meaningful way right and how is that different now from like how's that different now from how it was uh 70 years ago
0: yeah And, and i think it's natural i think it's it's impossible to not have a role model at all because i think people just take cultural cues to build up who they are as a person you still have to discover yourself and say this is who I am, and I'm going to be who I am. But yeah,
1: I agree. It is important. You have this, uh, this mythical kind of like faceless man that represents what you would consider like a, like a, a hardworking American man, you know, or like a stoic farmer, you know. You have like this image of what, what do you think is a good? What do you think is just a bundle of good character traits? Like when you're comparing a person and you're trying to judge his character, what do you compare him to? right like right. do you see this uh, stoic strong charming compassionate kind father figure and this like n- doped up fiend in the corner with like fucking uh, you know a gold star in the in the fucking s- sex offender's list i don't know <laughs> you know well where where would you rate a person between this this paragon of uh, mankind versus this disgusting leech on the floor you know
0: well you're right and I think if I was going to if I had to choose gun to my head between hardworking farmer and you know malicious pedophile it's, uh, it's a fairly easy choice because anything that's ne-
1: inherently negative because when you have a gun to your head you have like a really good excuse to pa- just say oh I panicked and chose the pedophile <laughs> it's well, like a really good excuse <laughs> most of the time it might be the only time family, that you, just, you excuse. just have no reason <laughs> but with a gun to your head suddenly oh things were going crazy
0: right <laughs> no i could well and, and i think that there's you can take certain traits and say that these are masculine traits inherently masculine traits and you can also take the people's behaviors and view their masculinity as lesser or femininity, but in this case, we're talking about men. So um, you can look at somebody who does just the wrong thing, maybe like, you know, steals, you know, beer from a gas station or something. And you're like, well, that's not a masculine thing to do because the thing itself is wrong, even if it's not, even if theft isn't typically attributed with masculinity in the first place. Like someone can do something and you can say, well, you're, you're less of a man for doing that wrong thing.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the difference between making fun of someone's uh, someone's personality and making fun of someone's dick size. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? What? What is? What is more attached to to sense of being a man, or there's the sense of where they are in the you know the hierarchy of just everyone.
0: Yeah, you can also say I think that behavior, positive behavior, having having making actions that are positive is a pretty thing.
1: universal between both men and women. Yeah. Like you want to have like a like a you know kind of a good character. Like uh yeah. Yeah, like that you're a, like you're a genuinely good person. But I also think there's different ways men and women tend to be good that kind of tend to be connected a little to the gender. It's not like something that's exclusive but something that you ultimately considers to be like uh, like uh, uh, like taking care of someone while they're sick, is good to do if you're a man or a woman, but it is kind of like a feminine good thing to do. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's it's done predominantly by. Women.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's got a feminine value to it. The the way the 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 nature of the favor you're doing, the nature of the of the kindness, is it's soft, it's compassionate, it's sweet. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's something you would expect from like a warm maternal uh, character. And then you have other good things you can do, you know, like uh, fixing someone's roof. That feels like a very masculine thing to do. Yeah. There's nothing keeping a woman from fixing a roof. She can lift the hammer and she can hold the nail steady. She's good to go. Right. But it feels like a masculine activity. Like a woman doing that will also feel kind of like she'll feel a little bit of that ego pride. That, uh, that, that you get when you feel like you've been like a good boy, you know what I mean?
0: Yes, and, and that goes back to the cultural side of it because there are certain things that culture dictates over time and they feel timeless. They feel like they go back to the dawn of civilization where, you know, men would hunt and women would pick berries and watch kids. And that can, that's even, I hear people use that as a rationale for why men and women should be treated differently. And I don't think that's necessarily helpful when talking about a role model, but you also can't deny the cultural impact, the impact that culture has on what people would think about when they're thinking about the type of person they want to be. You know, I, I think growing up, having um, John Wayne was always a very masculine figure. So is James Bond like those 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 types of men? They're very rugged. They're individualistic, and they're the type of men that we were told was ideal growing up. And don't the the paragons of your time, right? And and that comes from what past generations have valued. And when and one of the things I was going to mention earlier was that. I don't think it's po- like I think that you should have an in- individualistic,
1: do you maybe a not customized, customized behavior. Do you maybe do you maybe not think that that uh, that uh, you know paragon of a man isn't necessarily the paragon of all men. It's more like a specific type of. It's the best version of a specific type of man you could be, because at the same time as James Bond and John Wayne were really big. And uh, adored, uh, like really honest, uh, like strong characters. Like Walter Cronkite was, you know, revered as well. Yes, but yeah, like I, I would consider not in the same way. Individual, you know, like when when
0: people would say,
1: like different types of masculinity.
0: But but people would would. Praise Walter Cronkite for other skills, and it wasn't connected to masculinity. I, like I've never heard someone say that his Vietnam War coverage is like should be associated with how you raise your family in any way. Like nobody's ever said, you know, we need the to masculinity have masculinity. doesn't have to have to do with how
1: you raise your family.
0: Yeah, and that's I I think that his he has Walter Cronkite is more good behaviors to emulate than James Bond, but that doesn't change the fact that even when all three of them were popular, that when it came to growing up and being a man, people didn't think, people were much more likely to think about John Wayne than Walter
1: Cronkite. Yeah, like so. I don't know, like. I was more thinking about like the qualities you would want to emulate.
0: Yes, I, yeah, and I would say...
1: But as a man, what qualities do you want to emulate? What is your, what is, what is your role model? I thought that was, uh, that was what we were going for. It is,
0: but what I'm saying is that what I want to acknowledge is that culturally, certain traits have been preferred up until now. And, and it's been changing in the last 10 to 20 years, at least, you know, at least in America. Yeah. And the John Wayne type thing is what we're reckoning with. We have to deal with, it. I'm not saying that we should start there and, and start with the ideal man and
1: break. Tell down. me about the John Wayne thing. Cause I'm a Norwegian and uh, I, I, I know very little about John Wayne, except that he's kind of, uh, he's like the cowboy. He's used as a symbol of the cowboy before the spaghetti westerns. Yeah. I never really thought of him as... Uh, uh, well, I'm not American, so I, I haven't been... Uh, uh, what do you say? Exposed to much John Wayne. Tell me about John Wayne. Tell us about John Wayne.
0: Oh, <laughs> I would love to. So I grew up in a very rural area and it was... There were a lot of people who really liked westerns you know indians and cowboys type of setting yeah and this is before you know people would acknowledge how awful the trail of tears was like nobody read a very in my heart a wounded me that i knew and what is so the trail of tears that, oh the <laughs> trail of tears was where um some treaties were broken and a bunch of Indians were forced marched force marched by Andrew Jackson and tons died along the way just they, they marched in awful conditions um, oh, and a, a lot of people wound up dying and it became th- th- so it was such a cruel event that it kind of became one of the things that really captured America's understanding of how they were treating Native Americans.
1: Yeah,
0: um, And it's, it's now very symbolic of Native Americans today even will reference it because we're still, they're still on reservations. They still have their rights undermined and assaulted and voting is more difficult for them. Just like all the standard stuff that impoverished minority computi- communities deal with native americans tend to deal with that and worse
1: um you gotta tell me about that too now oh my god we're we're wearing off i know that's we'll do (laughs) do another podcast uh, podcast on uh,
0: western expansion in america because that would be cool yeah
1: (laughs) so tell me more about john wayne
0: so john wayne was he did a zillion movies he was like a hollywood blockbuster a-list actor that everybody knew and he was the ultimate tough guy. You know, like he there was a movie called the The Cowboys. I think that's the one where he is with all these kids, all these like young men, and he's like teaching them how to be a cowboy and trying to like protect them. He's like moving them across the prairie, doing something. Um, very famously when he got he died of cancer. And before he died of cancer, he made a movie, I think it was called The Gunslinger, where in the movie his character has cancer and he wants one last shootout and he's also seen as like the last cowboy so when the in the setting that the movie takes place west you know everybody's already migrated west there are no more cowboys law and order is, is like coming to these small towns you know so the bandits aren't fighting the one sheriff or whatever um yeah. and john wayne was like the last of the best cowboys and he has this um, he, he strikes a deal to let these uh, guys out of prison. These bandits—they get let out of prison, and he has a shootout in his bar, and he just slaughters them all. And then he dies of being shot instead of dying of cancer. So it's like the battle over—you know—meek succumbing to virus. You know.
1: Yeah, like the the the, the man but man versus the virus.
0: Yeah, but everything he, everything that he stood for, um, you know, standing tall, not saying a whole lot, not talking about your feelings, th- there were a lot of positive aspects to him. You know, he, he had discipline. He was capable. He, he shows empathy and compassion in a lot of his movies, but he's also walled off from people and there's obviously tones of misogyny. Um, and... <laughs> Time era problems yeah. that we're not going to go into here. But is the
1: misogyny connected to his, uh, his like male role model part? Well, yeah, because at the time, a important part of it. Like, if that was, if you, if, that you, was if, you, if, if you were if you were like him, but you weren't misogynous, would you feel like you weren't living up to the male role model?
0: No, and that's and the thing is. It, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is when mm-hmm. you talk about what an ideal role model should be versus how it can be perceived culturally. Yeah, one of the things that that Trump represents this whole like "Make America Great Again." Mm-hmm. What some people view that that call to action as is a return to the WASP family. You know, the 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 predominantly Protestant male head of the household works all day, come home, comes home, dinner's ready, the kids have done their homework, you know. Yeah, like,
1: the is the like culture.
0: Yeah, and John Wayne, this super rugged individualistic guy, he presided over the kinds of traits you would need to be that man in that role. You would have to feel like you're an individual if you're the sole provider for the family. And but the thing is, is that other negative traits went along with that. You know, the, the dominance of being the only provider leads to other behaviors. And that's not John Wayne's fault, per se. I didn't, honestly, I don't know his movies. Wait, what
1: about. kind of behaviors does it lead to though? Like what kind of behaviors did it used to lead to? Like, do we think that uh, like a bad behavior was because they were the sole provider? Because I've never heard that before.
0: Um, I'm not saying it's because they're the sole provider. I just, I think that the, a lot of those traits are linked, that you have positive and negative traits. And now if you want to say, ne- <laughs> so I have, I run a poetry workshop and I have an older woman in there that says women shouldn't be working at all. She she believes that no women should be allowed to have jobs, period. That they should stay at home. They should wait, be mothers. Uh, that's sh- what they're designed to do. Wait, wait,
1: wait. And, there's like, a, there's, there, there's a, I feel like, I feel like there's a nuance there. Women shouldn't be allowed to, or does she believe that women shouldn't want to? Both. Like does she want she, it to be? She thinks there should illegal, be legal or does she, or just like she? Does she think that it's it's be, it's better? Like you're 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 living up to a female role model if you don't work, but you can work, but then that makes you less of a woman.
0: Sort of. She, but she also crouches this belief in that it's undermining men that men are more suited for work that and she cited John Wayne when she was talking about it she's like they should be more like John Wayne John Wayne taught us what it's like to be a man and our society has lost that that was what her words were and that's what some of Trump's maga stuff appeals to it appeals to this uh, this ended era where culture made sense and everything had an order to it. And now that some of that order has broken down, we have to ask these questions, like what traits are linked? Like, yes, maybe, like you said, you've never heard, you know, being the sole provider being linked to misogynistic traits. Yeah. But, and maybe they're not. But we should be asking why... Are those traits linked? Why is sexism a problem with, like, the alt-right? I'm talking, like, alt-right. Why are they trying to tell women to get back in the kitchen? Why do I have, you know, an older an, an older woman who believes? And she's, you know, she's very religious, so she thinks that you should never divorce your husband, even if he beats you or cheats on you. And that's a tough Wait, sell. That's, so
1: the, that's true, <laughs> isn't it? The, the alt right they... Uh... They do just have like a general issue with women, don't they? Yeah. 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 Absolutely, they do. And like it's a very direct issue. Like, what is that? what is it? The alt right really stands for. I haven't really thought about it that deeply before. Like, what is it they? What is it they really stand for? What's their actual goal?
0: I think I think their goal they, is, is purity in nationalism
1: yeah but like if, if we give them like if we gave them complete control of everything and they could like change society in like a way as if they were playing the Sims like barring all human realism like we don't care about what's realistic, if they could just create their utopia, what would that look like why, why is it they what, what is it they're fighting for so <laughs>
0: I don't don't want to say Norway but in some cases Norway because and and I don't think it would play it play out in practice so so let me let me explain what I mean there because I'm not saying that Norway is an alt-right haven because I that's obviously not that's obviously super false um
1: but you have offended my nation we will declare war so let
0: me redeem myself
1: <laughs> so I've already hit the red button and called the minister
0: of war. Eject. No. No, so okay, so hear me out. What I think that the average alt-right person wants is a white utopia where there are extreme benefits and massive economic security for everyone who is white. That's what I think most alt-right people want. Obviously, that's not what happens in practice though, is it? You need to have a semi-socialist, if not socialist government in order to make that economic fairness happen. But the alt-right tends to support fascist, highly nationalist people. And those people aren't going to create the utopia that they want. And so they're just going to continue getting angrier at the government that's never going to support them.
1: Well, oh, wait, uh, the, is the whiteness, that was an important part of the alt-right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, because yeah. They, they have like people who are black on the alt right, right? Well, yeah they have black people you need, there. They, they, you need to sure have, they have a lot of brown people.
0: You need to have you know props like to say that we're being yeah, a- yeah,
1: yeah I, I get it. I get, I get that part. like if they're, if they're like uh, some racist who wants to present the racist view, then you know it's not it's very useful to say, "Oh, I'm not actually racist because I have a black friend." Right. But I'm I'm not thinking about those people. I'm thinking about the black people who are all right. Like you are now black. You are all right. What is your motivation for cre- hanging with this crowd? What is your what What is your ideal view of the future? I think the any
0: point? combination of factors can get you there. I mean, you you call yourself a contrarian. I think you can just be, you know, a contrarian black Republican who's like, you know what? Screw all these guys. I
1: so black republicans they don't have like a a necessarily you wouldn't imagine that they have like a a a view for an ideal future you think they're just kind of like going against the flow
0: i think with i think that they have no so So any any
1: there's more like a high ranking it's more a part of entertainment for them than than genuine politics
0: what, do you mean do you mean like a black politician? Because we don't have a whole lot of those on the Republican.
1: No, no, I just mean like a black guy on the alt-right a oh, politician. Oh. Sure, too, but like a guy supporting it, you know, like a black politician. Oh. Like I, obviously, his his motivation is to be a politician. Uh, that's his job. But like uh, the, the 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 idea that the politician presents, like the ideal society. Like if 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 a black Republican could. Create a perfect utopia in the Sims engine. What would it look like? Would it look very similar to the white Republicans' uh, view? Like, would it look similar to his? Would it be the same?
0: No, because and
1: if you, if, it, if it was the same, why why would race be a part important part of it?
0: I don't think that they would be the same, but I do think. I think a core difference, and I could be wrong, and this is why I'm interested in having some political discussions with, you know. I wanna do our political podcast episodes because I would really like to start talking to people about this, because this is a question I have. But I tend to see, and I'm not talking like, you know, right of center Republicans, I'm talking like alt-right. I tend to think that alt-right have a view of society, where they can still, they can still live a happy life, but you can deny it to Black people. So like a, a Black person wouldn't, you know, welfare queen was an image that Reagan started, and this welfare queen persona has morphed and shifted but always remained the same, where minorities are painted as leeches Leeching off the system, and I think an alt right person wants to wipe clean these people that they see as leeches, even though that they may not totally understand, you know, how many people actually use the benefits for good. You know, none of this stuff, they're just focused on a small amount of waste through this scapegoat that was created to lambast on minorities.
1: Yeah, now, but what I'm what I'm okay, so to your question, to get at this that like, do they? I don't think I, it, it. doesn't seem to me like, from what you're explaining, it doesn't seem to me that they. It's a racial thing. It doesn't seem to me that it's white people who are against black people. I mean, I'm, probably, I'm sure that a lot of those white people, when they imagine the the bad people, they are seeing them as black. But what I'm getting at is that there is alt right people that are black and brown too. You know, so, so they, they must be seeing. They must be seeing the exact same image, that you know, of the of the hardworking people. Uh, you know, pushing out the welfare queens, but they might not think that the welfare queen thing is has to be a racial thing. That right. it's more of a I lifestyle thing. So, so to your question, then, uh, an inborn trait, or maybe it is inborn, but it's not inborn in a race. It's inborn in, you know, people who are born poor.
0: Right. So, so what I was describing is like the extreme alt right. So what? Yeah, but
1: you have like, brown, people there as well, right? a black Republican. I'm just or... thinking like what, are. So is that when, what you think is going on?
0: No, 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 no. So when it comes to a Black Republican or a not alt-right Republican, you have somebody who you know, might be you know, concerned with guns. Because I, th- I think um, the variety of Republican in America, just like the no, variety of Democrats. No, but
1: I'm, I'm, I'm not one. thinking Republican. I'm thinking like straight up alt-right, like the high, oh. the high level of alt-right. There have, you have Black people there, too.
0: I don't know any. I really don't I know many black Republicans, but I don't know any black Republican no. who posts alt-right type stuff. Their focus is totally different.
1: I don't know, and then when you go like through Well, so so tell when, me about when this. When you go through you like know. videos on Reddit and you hear like some lunatic in the street <laughs> screaming something. screaming somehow. God, what happened when I swallowed up? you, you find like some lunatic screaming some really crazy shit and straight like some alt right stuff, and a lot of the time those people tend to be like black. They tend to be poor and black.
0: Well, I like think when you that, see them on YouTube and, uh, and stuff like that, I think that might be a different thing because I think you have what well, you're you're talking about like a dude like,
1: like, you're like hands up about screaming shouting Im- more immigrants food. and women then. Calling homosexuals faggots and shit like that.
0: I think you're talking about like really radicalized people who are just, I think that's the answer. Is they're radicalized. That they're angry yeah. at the world and they encountered information that. Like they're shit, the shit, the,
1: streaming shit about Democrats sucking dick and. Right. Right. And uh, so, being like in uh, Hollywood being run by Jews and faggots. You know, they, they, like, you find, you find like black people shouting that stuff on YouTube and Twitter and stuff all the time. Well, yeah. That's like really alt-right ideas, isn't it?
0: Well, I, I guess I don't go on social media as much, so I can't really speak to this. Here's my suspicion, though. Yeah? That you, when you are down and out, you're impoverished. You need an answer. You need, to, you need someone to, to describe why the world is the way it is. If everything is wildly unfair and the first ideology that you encounter seems to explain it for you, You'll latch on to that. Mm. And I think part of that is, you know, when you have an immense amount of disinformation, and you're referencing these examples from social media, and I think social media is a great thing to reference because it's ubiquitous. Almost everybody uses some form of social media now, and social media is rife with disinformation. There's no single place to go anymore to really get a good cohesive view of what the world is like. Because even if I say the things that I know are truth, the president said these, you know, fake, you know, let's take the fake news phrase.
1: Yeah.
0: The president said something lunatic. It's a lie. He, he, he's saying something different. He said five days ago, like we all know what Trump is like. And even if I know what the truth is, because I watched him say it on video, if you have millions of, po- if you have tens of millions of people who say that never happened because they're just ignoring it, now you have an alternate reality. <laughs> but now you have a fractured society. And I think society is fractured enough that people are going to wind up on a side that they don't mean to be on. And I'm not saying that, like, this is a dangerous, this is like a dangerous line of thinking, because I don't want to say that, like, Black people should be, you know, not Republican because, that this goes against them and they don't mean to be they're just just dumb if they're not you know
1: i don't want to be that's not what i I know know. what you mean that sounds very racist it does but yeah oh these 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 silly little blacks they don't know what's good for them come here right right. that is that is get under my white (laughs) wing and i will i will i will guard your future don't worry i will protect you because don't vote don't vote based on what you want you should listen to me i i know I know how to take care of you, my, my sweet black little Nubia. You know, it, it doesn't sound good. No, no, no. And that's, that's not what I'm... I want to be very clear. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying
0: is that a lot of times people will adapt to the first bit of information that they hear that seems to explain the world to them. And once someone else contextualizes the world, now that's how you view the world, and now you have to. It's like it's like you buy a set of shelves, and you buy the first set of shelves that look the best. And now, when you get new information, you put it on the shelves where you want it so it looks good. And if it doesn't fit on the shelf, you just toss it out. And in most cases, when it comes to building a set oh, of boy. ideological shelves, this
1: is getting really metaphysical. I know. I'm. I'm sorry.
0: I'm <laughs> on a rabbit hole here. But well, okay, let's yeah, say I just this, buy.
1: Uh, this is getting into like uh, anyone listening need a. Oof.
0: I, if you if you, let, let's say you buy a but it, I think that this analogy, as shaky as it is, explains why people are so against new information that challenges their worldview. Because if you buy a set of shelves that matches the trim in your dining room. And then you buy a box to put on that shelf, but it doesn't match. You're gonna f- put that in a different room and find. Yeah, I know some what you mean. Like
1: you, you, you start out with a a worldview, an idea, and then you compare everything to that idea. And it, if it fits with that idea, it gets to join. If it doesn't fit with that, I go.
0: Right. Well, and this this is the danger of of talking about these kind of topics in a society where lies are prevalent, and one side lies a lot more than the other. Because right now, at this point in time in America, yeah, one political party is lying more than the other, a lot more on a regular basis. and it's yeah. open, it, it is deceptive in the open. and so it's tough for me to say, no, you shouldn't be a Republican without still endorsing the lies, you know what I mean like yeah. I, I don't want to endorse the lies, but I also don't want to you know say that people are wrong for. Certain beliefs, not all beliefs, certain beliefs are wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, if I believe people should put tarantulas in their toilets before they take a shit, that, that idea is wrong for many reasons.
1: Um, well, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't dismiss it outright. I, let me hear about why first. Why, why the tarantulas in my toilet? <laughs> yeah, why is the tarantula in your toilet better? If you, can, if you can explain that to me in a way that I find satisfying, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dismiss you so easily. Well, that's good. That means
0: you're adaptive to new information. That's positive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something to this.
0: Okay. So let me ask you a question. What is, because we've gotten, we've gotten into like a racial discussion without meaning to. Yes. Going back to the male role model. And it's tough because a talking about a role model and their place in society leads the door open to other societal questions. So it's, I don't think it's wrong. We went there, but let's get back on track. If, what is what is a um, typical male role model in Norway look like?
1: Uh, let me think. This is like a really like subjective question, right? Sure,
0: and that's fine. Hey, that's the thing. Here.
1: Everyone has like their We're own subjective. ideal version. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna try to say, well, like, I try to speak I'm a, be a mixed with a lot of what my ideal version is, but I'm gonna try and keep it like cultural what I think most people think is a good man. Yeah. I think that is someone who is uh, humble, uh, kind, but quiet, you know, like you don't, you try not to take too much space, but you still have the confidence to stand tall where in whatever space you are.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, uh, yeah. Like uh, you're, you're, you're strong, you're stoic, you're warm, you're comfortable. But you're not uh, like overbearing. You're reserved. Okay. You know, like you, uh, if you have something to say, it's it should be something useful or something good or something funny. Like you don't try to. Yeah, you're not overbearing. You know, you're not in everyone's face. You don't necessarily take the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're comfortable letting other people roam around. You're like the adult in the room sure you know i think that's i think that's what a lot of people think is is like a good a good man you know like a strong strong stoic responsible person yeah so uh, someone you can rely on what do you
0: think what what would you say the cultural attitudes are toward men and individualism how individual should you be and how should that individual relate to society?
1: I think it's very. I mean, everything is had a little bit about the individual, you know, certain character traits and stuff. But I think it has here over here. It has a lot to do with community. Like you're, we have something called Dugnod, which essentially just means uh, kind of like uh, I don't know if there is a direct translation. The probably is. But it just means that you all work together for a project, like a common cause. Like if you have Duke nod in your house, everyone who's in your house got to help clean up the house, fix whatever, do this and this and that. Is there some tiles on the roof you got to do? You know, stuff like that. You cut the lawn, plant the plant the flowers, make a cake. And if you have Duke nod in your, your neighborhood, then everyone is like scrubbing the streets, you know, picking up trash, cutting trees, making sure the neighborhood looks nice. You got Dugnut at your work. Then everyone is trying to help out for some kind of purpose. Dugnut is kind of like a, yeah, it's just come gather. Let's do a project together. We all, all hands on deck. It's like work, but it's not related to work. You, you don't get paid for Dugnut. It's volunteer work as a community.
0: Oh yeah. That doesn't, that, that, and see, that's a big, that's a key difference between your society and mine. Yeah. Here it's very individualistic,
1: and so you're like a, a good man is someone who you uh, might either like arrange Dugnad, or I think actually that's a tra- that's a trait for his wife probably, or his girlfriend. Like a good a good woman would arrange a ducgnad, uh, uh, like a good man would be really active in it. You know he wouldn't slack off. He wouldn't be lazy. He wouldn't be like uh, maybe I'll do it. He would go like yeah sure of course I'll help you. You know, of course, and then he would, you know, do his fair share. Yeah. It, I think
0: I think goodwill in America is more transactional. So like if I if I donate to a charity, I can write it off on my taxes. Right? Like I a lot of people are motivated to donate specifically because of the tax break. Uh, I don't think that's true for everyone and I do not want to speak for everyone, but I think that when it comes to like, especially growing up in a rural area, taxes are debated and in the forefront of most people's consciousness and how those taxes are spent. And whether or not the assumptions that are made about how taxes are spent are true or not, you can't deny that in, in most of America, There's a big focus on the fact that taxes exist and that people have to pay them and that most people feel their contributions are not being used well. So like, and that that's actually like a for everyone, basically, because most leftists would agree that the Pentagon gets way too much spending money. Like our military is, is overinflated and they don't even really give the soldiers very much. Most of it's spent on toys or, or other nonsense.
1: <laughs> toys. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine a bunch of soldiers like <laughs> just like throwing a ball around and then uh, some ultimate frisbee.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, that's actually... Like a at the Avolo game, just, like
1: Standing in the middle of an Afghani desert like uh, <laughs> with fidget spinners, everyone in the platoon. You didn't know that about America. You
0: actually go through boot camp. That you, that MEPS, Meps is actually takes place in a big gymnasium. Meps is the uh, company that, or the not a company, but the organization that screens you. You, know, you get your like blood test and you they give you a physical and they do all this stuff. That's at Meps. It's the screening process, and then they send you off to boot camp. And when you get to boot camp and you're done with your blood test, your blood work, and all that, you you show up, um, and it's just a big gymnasium. And they give you like a kickball and some frisbees. And yeah, that's, that's boot camp.
1: That's great.
0: Well, little did you know. <laughs> so, I don't know, I think there is... So the individual in relation to community in America is... It's more about contributing if you feel like you want to, but nobody should be held to that standard. and.
1: Like you don't have our moral, uh, you don't have a moral obligation to do it.
0: No, no, absolutely not. No. I mean, th- there's anybody who does something altruistic will be lauded for it. And and communities will celebrate the altruistic. Like we had people um, in, in our town growing up that, that they were just, everybody knew and they were they were kind. They were interested in the history of the, the town. Um, in particular, I had a teacher. Her name was Iva Walker and she was... A brilliant, compassionate, wonderful woman. And everybody knew her, and she spent most of her time helping others. And so I don't think that compassion is not valued in America. I just think that it doesn't have, there's no civic duty connected to it like you have.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, for you, it's like pure charity if you do it. Right. So you're not, you're not, you're not, uh... You don't have the obligation, like uh, to help someone if they're in need. Exactly, it's your choice.
0: While community festivals are important, Garrettsville is, is get back to my hometown was Garrettsville. Garrettsville has a, a thing called Summerfest that they've been doing for like ten years, and it's great. Everybody gets together, but um, that it doesn't m- replace donating your time to help others and make the whole town a better place. It's a chance for people to get together and talk and to hang out and have fun and, and drink heavily, but it's not necessarily, it, it, it's it, its not charitable in the same way. Yeah. It's like taking a day to like clean the sidewalk and throw away trash. That just doesn't happen. So I think that's like an interest, I think that's an interesting difference with a male role model. Like, and I think that m- m- the as an opinion, as the, as opinions of m- the male role in, in American society has shifted over time, I think it has gotten more community centric, but I think there are some American fundamentals that are unique to our country that will make that either take a long time or never fully get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Not that we should be Norwegian, but um, oh, you should be so lucky. <laughs> so you say? Yes. <laughs> but my alcohol costs less.
1: <laughs> yeah. My 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 uh, sea has more fish.
0: <laughs> Facts. Yeah. it's probably less polluted.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll drink the fish. <laughs> I'll have to do with the prices on alcohol there.
0: I was watching. I was. Are you familiar with the show
1: Scrubs? I am. I am. Okay. Somewhat. So, Scrubs,
0: bit. I think, is a great show. I was actually talking to my friend about this last night. Yeah, last night. I think Scrubs is a great show to show how cultural, American cultural opinions are, have shifted because Scrubs shows those opinions in transition. So what I mean by that is like, when I grew up watching Scrubs, I thought it was a great show. It was hilarious. I mean, it's a very well-written show, but I watched it recently a, a few months ago And it was, I remember getting to like season five and thinking, oh my God, this is like what the Me Too effect is. Like, this is what post Me Too means. Because the main character is awful. JD is just a horrible person. Is he? He is. I never noticed that before. But he like is manipulative and he objectifies everyone and he uses these girls. And it's, it is a type of sort of, no, excuse me, new age Sort of variable sexuality, you know. He's got the jokes with Turk that he, you know, they're 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 men love, which is is a great message.
1: Yeah, um, like they have their bromance. Yeah,
0: you can you can be in love with a friend without sexualizing them and just really enjoy their company and share feelings. They have a lot of great moments where like they'll contrast Dr. Cox against uh, JD and Turk and they'll show how JD and Turk sharing feelings is. A positive thing, and it's nurturing. And that, I think, they do it in a way that presents it as a masculine thing um, without making fun of it. Because if you go back to Cheers, a lot of the jokes are, are can be focused on men being emotional, and you don't get that in Scrubs. But one of the things they hadn't totally flushed out was a lot of the sexism. And It is hard to watch a Scrubs episode and not see some sort of over-sexualization or overt objectification happening. Like, in every episode except for the super depressing ones. (laughs) So, I think that Scrubs is a good example of, like, the old... Ideal male clashing with what it was morphing into, and culture hadn't gotten hadn't finished describing okay. it yet. I don't think it's our American culture has still described an ideal I male.
1: I don't think JD was ever ever even like a remote candidate for what the ideal man was. Like he was a really like weak and nerdy person, you know. Well, and I, th- I but I, I think definitely that's definitely not the the like challenge. the ideal man. But don't but, you? Yeah, think you, you know, Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, no, I was just thinking, like, wouldn't the ideal man be a much, like, uh, stronger, more interesting person, you know? Someone uh, mo- more respectful and more worthy of respect in return. Like, wasn't Dr. Cox a closer, a closer, like, version of the ideal man than JD was? And Dr. Cox was still, like, not ideal because he was a, you know, bitter old man.
0: Well, and, and that's but why he was
1: But think... he was more respectable as a man. You know, you saw him more as a man than J.D. You saw J.D. more as a boy. Yeah.
0: So this is why I like this show as an example so much. Because um, with, I think that J.D. is a direct challenge to old guard masculinity. So for a number of reasons. One, you're right. Dr. Cox represents the more classic style of masculinity. And you are set up to like him because he's kind of like, the truth teller. He's c- capable at his job. He's a good teacher. He actually cares about the patients. So there's a lot to like there. And there, and I don't think the show's even saying that old masu- All of old masculinity is bad, which I don't think it is. Um, but I see JD as a challenge. You have a protagonist, the 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 forefront character. His daydreams are meant to make him more interesting. His creativity, his personality, his charisma, and his willingness to operate, to not let pride get in the way. So I really think that JD is a check, is, is a, um, is, the, is the, the writer's response to how some of the ways that old guard masculinity winds up having bad side effects. Dr. Cox has a pride problem. There's that episode where uh, <clears throat> JD wants to go to that conference, and Dr. Cox doesn't want him to sell out to Kelso by writing a paper on one of his patients. JD does it anyway. And at the end of the episode, like Dr. Cox gets mad and, you know, they, they have some time apart. And then JD comes back to him at the end of the episode. And he's like, look, I want to be like you, but I want to be a more successful you. And the, the whole message of it, because it's a very, like, there are a lot of moral messages in that show. The message of that episode is that, hey, you know what? Sometimes pride is a huge drain on forward progress and it leaves you stagnant. And it, that you're, you don't need to close yourself off from the world because if you close yourself off from the world, you're gonna close yourself off from other people that can help you. And Dr. Cox at the end goes to that patient, the one who was on the board or something. And she said, let me put in a good word for you. And he kept saying, no, don't do that. Don't make the call. And at the end of the episode, after, after JD kind of like gives him a reality check, he gives the phone to the lady to put in a good word for him so he might get promoted. And I think in that sense, the show was saying, yes, you have this guy who represents ideal masculinity, or at least what we think of it right now. And JD is, will, will occasionally say, you know what though, we don't have to do it that way forever. And there are problems with being that person.
1: that was really deep. <laughs> I talked that, <laughs> that. was uh, that was so deep Adele could roll on it.
0: So what do you what are your thoughts on that? Like oh. as as a transition, like take the show as a transition from A to B, do you think it's representing a transition? Do you think it's successful?
1: Do you you know, I think it, it I think I think it is representing a transition. I think it is successful yeah because you see a lot of stuff that men do now very comfortably very all out like yoga and drinking tea where you like in a way where you hold the cup with both hands you know yeah but i think i don't necessarily think that's new masculinity i think that's just men embracing more femininity true i think but... that's people get i think that's people being more comfortable with indulging more in their feminine side because even john wayne i fucking promise you he had a feminine side some part of him was like oh this pillow is very soft and i could just use like (laughs) a fucking bath right now absolutely but i I promise you that he had those feelings too but he's like he's more ashamed of them you know
0: yes i don't necessarily
1: think it has to do with us changing masculinity i think it just has to do with us being less ashamed of our innate femininity.
0: Yeah, that's easy to say, but what makes you uncomfortable? It is it? easy to say. I have no difficulties. <laughs> and that's why you just said it. Uh, <laughs> but let me, let me ask you this though. If uh, <clears throat> What makes you uncomfortable to express that pillow? You say, oh, this pillow is so fucking awesome. Like I just can't wait to fall asleep. It's so fluffy and warm on my face. What makes you uncomfortable in the first place? It's those cultural attitudes that make you feel uncomfortable. And the whole point of redefining a new role model would be shifting—not—not not everything. You don't have to shift everything. You don't
1: have to. just to me, burn it all to the ground. The, and screw uh, over. Uh, all you have Im- to do. I would imagine that the reason we were ashamed of it was because we considered it a weakness. I would imagine that's why. Yeah. But we considered it a weakness to indulge in those things. It was a character flaw. Okay, talk but, about this for a little bit. But, what do you mean? Yeah. Because I can't imagine why else people would be ashamed of their femininity as men. Like, it made them less manly. I think they were just insecure about that. I think they, they viewed it as making them weaker. Appearing more like a woman. Like, they had, they had less respect for femininity, I suppose. Yeah. They thought that, that the feminine values... Made you less of a force to be reckoned with. Sure, that a man who embraced his feminine side uh, was, you know, either a weak or a decadent man, a man that you wouldn't rely on, wouldn't trust, or wouldn't wouldn't have a like. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't feel he was your equal. You would feel like you could kick his ass. Yeah. So I
0: think I think part of when you say. Which, what would an ideal man be in the 21st century? Part of that would then, because I agree with you, I think that's, I think that's also very um, with when it comes, So I think part of finding a new role model would be then saying we need to redefine weakness and not identify weaknesses at things that compete with this image that we think we have of ourselves, but instead identify a weakness in a way that harms either us or the other people around us because being afraid to say express yourself or to like tell a friend hey man I'm depressed I just want to talk about it like feeling like there's a barrier to that that shouldn't be a weakness what should be a weakness is you know putting other people down to make yourself look strong that is a you could say that that that's that's a weakness I think people agree with you but I also think that people will still get self-conscious and put other people down to make themselves look strong and then rationalize it later by saying, well, I'm a man. That's how it goes.
1: You know what I mean? I don't actually.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm saying that we should change our definition of weakness to not be something that makes us feel insecure, but we should change our focus of what a weakness is. A thing that threatens masculinity as a thing that harms ourselves or others.
1: I mean that, that 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 is a mouthful. Just like thought twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to grasp that whole sentence.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, we'll give our users some time. We'll have a 20 second moment of silence so they can digest. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Those> users. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh, let's,
0: man. Let's, let's try let's try to let's move on let's try to define a male role model like what do you think the ideal male role model looks like
1: oh okay so i think the ideal male role model would be someone strong and reliable or reliable someone you can trust sure so, someone you would feel safe around like someone that you would feel safe if they were in charge of a situation
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's the ideal male role model. And then there's like a lot of other things where it's like more like personality stuff. Like uh, you would want that person to be like uh respectful, uh, you know, uh responsible, smart, trustworthy, all those things, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Like you can't have one without the other. You can't be, like, reliable, but also stupid. Like, that's, that's just... A, that, that you can still be considered a good guy, but it's not, like, an ideal male role model. You know what well, I mean? I don't think intelligence should have anything to do with it, because it's not... No, I think intelligence is a part of it.
0: You, you think You think intelligence is a part of masculinity?
1: Yeah, I do. Like, not necessarily in, like, that you have to be Einstein or be, like, educated... Although I think that's a very good thing to be, I don't think that that's necessarily tied to masculinity. But I think you can't be stupid. That's not very macho. I'm going to challenge.
0: And I'm going to say, because I I think education is one of the most important. I was was talking to a person recently. um, A person I hadn't talked to in a really long time. And we were talking about um, education and he was expressing some remorse for having gone to college. And he's like, yeah, I wish I would have gone to trade school. Oof. And what, and, but he, 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 he has a very good mind and he's very good with, you know, he, he said like, I like working with my hands. I like detail oriented work. He does like CAD design stuff. Yeah. I think it, that's it very manly stuff. Custom engineering uh, parts for the, the his business. And, um, but what, what what I pushed back on him was well, I think one thing that you should remember is that your your education improves the entire quality of your life. your life just gets better the more educated you are and no. I think there are diminishing returns. I think there's a certain point where you get educated enough that you're removed from everyone else around you and you can't <laughs> you know you can't your adaptation levels drop and and it it makes it more difficult to function um in, and I'm talking to very, extra I think education in general, the more the, the merrier, like you want as much as possible, but a lot of people don't have access to education. And, and I'd be, I think it would be not a terribly positive thing to say, well, you don't have access to education or your family didn't value education. So you didn't get educated. So because now you have responses to things that I think are stupid, you're less of a man for it. I don't I think don't
1: you think that got that. what I meant. Meant. Okay. I,
0: I then I totally took it wrong. And
1: please. Yeah. I <laughs> As re, like I specified, it. even I said that it, it's not like educated smart, but like smart. Okay. You have to be intelligent, as in like a kind of person who doesn't just say dumb shit in like in a in a social situation.
0: Well, I just said dumb shit. I just I just miss miss like mangled what you had said.
1: No, no, that's that's no. I I'm, I'm saying I'm repeating what I said earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like what what I think is that intelligence, um, uh, like that, uh, like a mental intelligence is like the ability to know when to like shut up in a social situation. Like stoicism is, I guess, is is the right term. Okay.
0: Well, like it's a socially, in,
1: it's like a socially intelligent stoicism, not like you're like, autistically like unemotionally available. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like you're you're able to like if someone is stressing out, you're able to stay calm. You know, you're able to stay calm and like take charge. You know, you know what I mean.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is very like you don't.
1: Yeah, like you you you're you don't panic because you know what you got. You, you know what you're gonna do, or at least you know who you can talk to about knowing it. You yes. know, if you don't know, at least know who knows. Okay, that I can
0: definitely get behind.
1: Yeah, like you're you're not subject to the Dunning Kruger effect is essentially what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like you, you're not you're
0: you not. know you right, you you know what your limitations are. And yeah. you don't overextend beyond them. You don't try to claim you're something you're not.
1: Yeah, you're smart.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now I see I see exactly what you're saying. I agree with that. Yeah. I think I think another important part.
1: Because um, I think the uneducated professions tend to be more manly, like stereotypically, than the educated one. Like professor is it's a masculine profession. I feel like it make think makes me think of like old men, but like a young man profession is you know like chopping wood or lifting rocks. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that goes back to like. Yeah, what what job defines masculinity which
1: yeah like building furniture and smithing swords and fighting in wars
0: well to, to that job aspect do you think that it's a negative thing to have jobs associated with manliness like if i if i become a nurse and someone says well why didn't you become a doctor is that an, is that an inherently negative response to me announcing becoming a nurse or do you think that like chopping wood should be associated with manliness? like how do you feel about that
1: wait i didn't get the the nurse versus doctor thing
0: oh well like, I, like I, a nurse
1: I, versus a lumberjack i could get nurse versus doctor i
0: had a friend so nursing like oh yeah like
1: like, uh, like you mean like in a, like uh, chain of authority not like field of work
0: no, I mean in field of work, like I I had a friend who became a nurse and he said, he told his family and they asked him, why did you become a doctor? And when he was in his nursing program, he was the only man in it.
1: And yeah, no, that's what I meant. Like, it, it's like a hierarchy thing. Cause at first it was like, Oh, okay. It, I see what you mean. I, I was thinking doctor. like medicine versus manual labor. And then when it was like nurse and doctor, I was like, <laughs> what? Doctor is not a manual <laughs> labor.
0: You know? Sorry. I, I didn't mean to like semi change the subject, but so no, I'm no, thinking, no.
1: I, so, I'm just, I'm just not like <laughs> completely lucid. <laughs> <laughs> it, is,
0: it is late where you are. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's not even the lateness. I'm just like, you know, I'm not entirely sober.
0: Oh, well that might help too. Or yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. think sobriety is attached to masculinity? <laughs>
1: uh, I would have to say no at this moment. No. <laughs> at this moment. Tomorrow I might feel different. Yeah. Tomorrow I will feel different. <laughs> but I won't remember what I feel now, so it's all fine.
0: <laughs> but you will remember what you said, because we recorded it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't have to remember if the machine can do it for me.
0: <laughs> so so,
1: so, speak to the hierarchy
0: thing a little bit. What do you think? Do you think that we that there should be a cultural effort to dis- dissociate jobs, like the, the, remove the association between jobs and either masculinity or femininity?
1: I don't think so, no. I think those associations, uh, I don't think we put them there. I think they get there naturally.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I think we get those associations with those jobs simply because uh, those are those jobs that tend to be filled by either men or women and either masculine men or feminine men or masculine women or feminine women. Uh, I, I don't think we decide the labels for these in like a boardroom. I think those labels are set by by the the percentages of the people who pick those jobs. If you know what I mean. I do. I I think like we could try to artificially say that uh, like nurse is a male job, but it's not going to change the fact that more women work nursing by tremendously huge percentages. Sure.
0: I think I think there there have been, at least in America, there have been institutional rules that have artificially divided people. Like
1: yeah, like what?
0: Well, for instance, um, up until the 1970s, it was illegal for a woman to work at the same university as her husband, and she had to get special notes. From wait why? because why not <laughs> because it just existed that was that was a rule that was in place for a very long time and it was
1: is what is some kind of like uh like a purity law like don't, don't don't work at the university and like have sex in the hallways is that like the motivation behind it because it doesn't it doesn't seem to be against either women working in the university it just seems to be that if they're sleeping together they shouldn't work together
0: no, it was it was a law designed to keep women out of the workforce. Um, I, I can find more notes on this specifically, and uh, post because I I read a, a book by a feminist who was talking about it because she studied under a female professor who was installed right after this law was repealed. Um, so I, I I'll, I'll post specifics underneath our podcast about what the law is and all that, and we, we can we can talk about it on the side. Yeah there there are things like that that have existed in america which have prevented people from f- have prevented women from having certain jobs so i would think that certain professions will uh, will lead to a, mi- a gender migration of sorts but i also think there are very real things that have been institutionalized that have made it difficult up until recently to make inclusivity a reality for some people.
1: Okay, 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 okay. So you're like know, thinking that, um, but wait, I'm thinking about like you. So you're thinking that you're thinking that these professions are like. That, 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 that there's like men or women are being prevented from entering them through like legal ways or like social ways. Is that what you're, what you're getting at?
0: Yeah, that is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So going yeah. back to the male role model thing. Cause or,
1: they used to, they used to pre- the be prevented from doing it through legal ways. Right. And now you think they're doing it through social ways. Yes.
0: I, I think that they're, it, they're just long standing norms that make men not want to do something. So as an example.
1: Okay, so you don't think it's natural. You think it's something society dictates. Yes. Or like a product of the way we, we view things.
0: Peer pressure is very real. When I was in uh, middle school, when you, hit fi- when you hit fifth grade in my school, we were, you were allowed to join band. And I was really into Riverdance and Michael Flatley. And I went to see Lord of the Dance when it toured and it went to Cleveland or Columbus, one of
1: the two. Okay. So <laughs> it was awesome.
0: I loved it. I think I think the the original like Dublin River Dance performance. If I can find a DVD of that, I'll buy it because it was a very good show. <laughs> um, but I, I I played the flute in band and I got made fun of badly enough that I didn't do it after the first year, and I just like got turned off of music entirely. Just didn't want to do it anymore. And the reason I wanted to do it is because Michael Flatley played the flute in Lord of the Dance and there were, there were like whole solos that he did and like yeah the flute is not a masculine instrument but because of peer pressure I stopped playing the flute and I just didn't pick up any musical instrument for years even though I had an interest in playing something
1: oh that's sad so
0: there are consequences to it and I think it's you know anybody would say well you know masculinity shouldn't be decided by like what instrument you want to play like who cares
1: um, yeah but do you think that's like a because it, it sounds a little bit like a conspiracy theorist the way you present it you know it's, like it's it's, uh,
0: it's it's how society works
1: yeah but like why do you, why does society work that way why do people feel that way what do you think tradition it, it's okay it's, like, what, yeah let's just go back like let's let's just follow the thread all the way back like why is it the tradition like, why do people do the things they're doing these ways? You know,
0: how far back? I mean, we're, are we starting with cavemen things? Or no, we...
1: no, no. Just like, just not not necessarily his, historically. We don't go back chronologically. Okay. We just go back into like n- desires, like the reason why. Oh. You know. Oh well, and I think that comes back to that there has to be a male role model. Yeah, but why is the, why is dancing viewed as uh, unmanly? What what aspects of it? is not manly. First, like, what aspect, what, what is manliness, right? And then, oh, okay, aspects of dancing is uh, in conflict with the ideals of manliness and what is it that makes dancing something that makes you less macho? Sure. You know?
0: I mean, I don't know all of the variables involved, but I would say a big variable would probably be that why is, fear of being emotionally open.
1: Yeah, but why is being emotionally open bad? Like we, we really go back at like the, the reason why these things are going there. Is being emotionally open bad because it's uh showing weakness? Is it like you're bearing your throat? Is that the issue?
0: Yeah, yeah. From like <laughs> yeah, from you know, if you throw if you show open your throat, it, you're gonna get it ripped out, right? Like yeah. That's like there's, you're guarding
1: the, it yourself. You're like being like defensive, being safe is like uh that that that's the essence of manliness.
0: Yeah. Because if you're if you're the stoic one, you're you're supposed to be the head of the household, then you also have to be a protector of souls because yeah. you're the pillar. And if you crumble then everything else falls with you. So I think with that stoicism comes the desire to be a protector and to be safe and to be on guard and along with saying, well, nothing can get to me, you know, it's bad enough. You have to think about like home invaders and what you would do if a home invader got if someone got into your house. But then thinking like, well, I can't be toppled by bad feelings because I'm having a bad day. You know what I mean? You won't let yourself, and, and then it becomes a bigger problem because you ignore
1: it. Yeah. This is interesting. Like I'm thinking about like how it all connects to the way manliness changes. Because being a safe and defensive, you know, being able to defend something is a very manly thing. That's why you're like you know uh, things that things that may make you weak you have like aversion to it right yeah but another important part of being a man is also the aggression is the like being able to get shit done you know be having a can do attitude and all of that stuff right so sure. so it is also very manly to try something that is not defensive something that is uh, dangerous socially such as like those guys who like suddenly just wear like a scarf like a silk scarf and they groom their facial hair like extra neat like like gay men right yeah there's a certain macho aggressiveness to to that like flamboyance they do as well yeah because it's, it's very much like out there like they're going into a socially dangerous thing it's something that would normally most people would be embarrassed to look like that because they would feel socially weak so they throw themselves out into it like it's like really like yeah like uh, they're advancing you know it's
0: funny you say that because i remember there's this guy in college who used to wear pink shoes like pink converse mm-hmm. and they were bright pink like you could see him across campus it wasn't a very big campus so it's easy to see but he <laughs> and there were you know there's only you know 1500 people or whatever so the people that stood out would really stand out. But he, I remember he was standing on this thing called the mall and it was just like this hill with all most of the classroom buildings on it and it was like a brick pathway. But he was standing like across the street on the mall, partway up this hill and I was walking with some people and one of them goes, you see that guy? And I was like, oh yeah, Gavin? And he goes, yeah, you know? And I said, yeah, he's like, he he's in one of my classes. And the guy goes, man, those shoes, I would never mess with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He wasn't like a particularly manly guy. He wasn't not manly. I don't like, he wasn't, he didn't look frail or anything. You know, if you're talking about masculinity in
1: terms of of beefy. But he's like, he's just like seething with confidence. Right. But he wore those
0: pink shoes and he wore them. well, And he didn't. You feel like,
1: you feel like this, this is, this is a fucking guy with a spine <laughs> made of fucking titanium. Right. And, yeah. and This is a guy who would not fucking back down. Right. Because he's everything. willing to put himself that there. He's like just walking on like a line with no safety net.
0: Yeah. And I went to dinner with a bunch of guys who were commenting on how manly he was because of the spring shoes. And I just think that that's a very not John Wayne thing. And I've thought about that a lot since we had that conversation like 10 years ago. Or whatever. <laughs> it's been a while but I thought about that moment a lot because I thought well that is a new type of bandliness that I don't even think I would have seen in my hometown because that because in my hometown especially I mean it's it's probably changed a lot since then but you know growing up there were a lot of people who were still afraid of being gay and I know a lot of people that I went to school with they didn't come out until college because obviously they didn't feel comfortable doing it in our town and during high school, so that, that, that always stood out to me, so it's funny you said that like w- wearing the flamboyance as a badge and saying, you know what? you know not saying that pink shoes are flamboyant, but going back to your comment,
1: pink shoes are flamboyant as fuck <laughs> Maybe they on. are maybe they uh, are. Maybe they are like it's literally the flam in flamingo. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I don't know. Maybe but Yeah, it's interesting how it's changing, you know. Like, uh you see men also are like much more I, I honestly think it's just a, it has a lot to do with us having less contempt for femininity and being able to be macho and uh, like be overtly feminine at the same time. Like the pink shoes and like I was about to mention like with people, like now, I have no problem using moisturizers and foundations and lotions and stuff like that. Yeah. And like you don't, you don't feel, you don't feel less macho for buying a scented candle anymore. You know? Sure.
0: But let me ask you this: like, it's uh, not
1: something that shortens your dick,
0: <laughs> unless it's marketed to shorten your dick.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, you never know what's in a fucking scented candle. I have to take that all the time. Otherwise, it's just chaos down there. <laughs> I, have a, I have a dick shortening cream. Whatever. Oh well. I mean, <laughs> that, that that's that's a like really weird self-deprecating compliment.
0: <laughs> like that's a humble brag. It's it's yeah the, yeah. The time I exercise, I have to use the cream. Otherwise, I pass out.
1: Yeah, my dick is so <laughs> mean, immensely huge. I need like special made pants that have three legs. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe that's what the link is, because I think when you were defining what you think a good male role model would be, all those things that you said would have been true going back, like a disciplined person, a person who upholds the promises they make, the person who, you know, stands by and supports their, their family and their friends, Like all of those things, integrity, honesty, those have always been valued with but maybe what the missing component has been is compassion. Both compassion for femininity, like emotions, but compassion for ourselves, like being able to say self-care, like lotions, is fine. Like it is not, does not take away from my image to make sure my, my skin is cleared up and, and you know, I moisturize. That's, that should be okay. And having compassion for ourselves allows us to be more empathetic with the people in our lives and our communities. Maybe new age masculinity is just allowing compassion to fit into that, you know, that stoic, towering
1: pillar of strength or whatever. I don't think compassion was absent from the old school masculinity, though. Like, that was all about like working hard and taking care of your family and, you know, that's like... gotta have a lot of compassion to do that shit. Honestly, I think now it's a lot more to do about confidence and bravery. No. I feel like that's it's... what's really gotten the focus. I don't think we're more compassionate. If anything, I'm... I think we might be less compassionate thanks to like the internet. I, I think we really we like you know know how play like, like plagiarized polarized the world is, right? I think that has a lot to do with us being less compassionate for each other. We're not able to just like try to see things from other views anymore. When we don't really view other people as people, we're so used. We're so used to viewing them as either like statistics or like profiles on social media
0: right and that that's absolutely true and that's what we're trying to to address in our political episodes for anyone yeah um but i i do think that compassion is at play right because if you say you know a lot of i think a big component of masculinity was not talking about your feelings or your problems and i think that saying that compassion for, for men and between men is different than societal compassion. I think those are two different things we're talking about. Because societal compassion, yes, is breaking down quickly. Like, people will argue whether or not their tax dollars should be spent in Oklahoma. And I, my view on it is, well, we're all Americans. Yeah, spend it. Like, help the people out that need it. But, and, and other people will disagree for various reasons, whatever. That, the, the argument itself does not matter, but I do think that compassion between countries, between citizens within those countries, and the galvanization is due to a decrease of empathy and a decrease of humanization. But when it comes to men and men supporting each other, I think compassion is on the rise. Like, I was hanging out with my uncles, and I, t- I, was, I was talking about... Um, uh, I was talking about uh, one of my friends who told me he was depressed and one of my uncles goes, well, I would never admit that. And like he chuckled. Like he, he was like a, it wasn't a sneer. He wasn't being like condescending. He wasn't being condescending. I know what
1: you mean. It, I know what you mean. It was like it made him like slightly uncomfortable yeah. the idea of it. So he found it amusing. Right. And so it's kind of like, oh shit. I don't think I would go on Fair Factor and eat those cockroaches. <laughs>
0: I would react. Yeah, yeah, give me the yeah. cockroaches. I don't want the feelings. So I think that tells you that, that that chortle tells you two things, right? It tells you one, he wouldn't be comfortable airing out problems to make himself feel better. And he would probably not find himself in many positions where he needed to be supportive of friends. And if he was, he wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. And I don't. Yeah, like he's not comfortable with feelings. Right. And I don't have that sort of relationship with the friends in my life because we've gotten, and it took a while. Like I have friends that are very, much more masculine than me. I can say that much, but.
1: I believe it. Ooh, ouch.
0: (laughs) But this, this, and it took a while, but after being friends for a long time, I, you, you I think I have in most of my friendships are ones where my friends feel it's safe to open up if they want to, if they think that that opening up will have value. And so that that is an increase in compassion for men and toward men and in between men, I think, and that's a good thing. But I do think it goes against old, you know, James Bond didn't talk about his feelings with anybody.
1: He no, not no long he was. Monologue. He was a man of
0: action. <laughs> that's right, and he, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be caught monologuing.
1: <laughs> no, that's the villain. Right,
0: and that's bad because he's a bad guy, so he monologues.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the bad guy is usually not the, like. He's not a good symbol of masculinity either. It's usually, uh, you know, dishonest and cowardly and, you know, evil.
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't know so so what do you think about that in terms of those compassions being different and that the transition i don't know
1: i think maybe that's the difference between america and norway then because okay. uh when i think of like uh what we call like a strong like old school man like an old farmer i still think of him as like like he's stern but compassionate. you know yeah like he, he's like uh He'll, he'll he'll help you and support you if you need it, like if you're in a if you're in a bad place, you know he he will he will hire you to work at his like mill or whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, like that's... He, yeah, you know, like uh, like he'll help you out, like if there's a storm and your car breaks down, you know he, he'll he'll see to it that you know he'll you know get you inside and see to it that you're 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 comfortable, you know. That it's like a. Uh, it, it makes this kind of like his business to to protect and take care of a- anyone around it.
0: Well, so let me ask, I mean, because doing favors for someone is a form of compassion, but yeah. it's not the same emotional connection that I'm, I think
1: I'm trying to describe. But not necessarily doing favors as in, oh yeah, I'll help you like, uh, you know, I'll 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 clean your garage. Not that kind of doing your favors, but more like uh taking care of other people. Okay. Like making sure other people are 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 safe. Or you know, you good?
0: Yeah. Um have you seen the show Letterkenny? No. So Letterkenny is about um A small town in Canada, rural Canada, and the main character is his name is Wayne, and he is a man of integrity. Above all else, he always tries to do the right thing, and he will always help everyone out. He helps them. They have a saying: it's like you know, you always help a friend, and when they when they ask, if a friend asks you for help, you help them. Is is one of the Uh, sayings. A friend
1: in need is a friend indeed.
0: Yes, so, uh, well, yeah, so he he has this sense of duty where, like, if anybody needs anything, as long as you can, you drop what you're doing, and you go and you help them, because they, they need help. Um, but they have another main character on the show who's taking, like, these women's studies classes, and his name's his name's Squirrely Dan. And Squirrely Dan, when he talks about feelings...
1: yeah
0: the others get uncomfortable, especially Wayne. So they'll do like, they'll, they'll have, he'll talk about like his feelings and Wayne will say, well, I don't know much about that, but you know, be kind to each other.
1: And yeah, it will be like all humble and simple.
0: Right. And Squirrely Dan gets way more talkative about it. And he's like, well, I want to discuss feelings. And they, they actually play it up as a joke in some parts because there's this one time where Squirrely Dan hears that the G-spot's in a man's asshole and he goes and he wants to talk about anal play but they get like super uncomfortable and it's hilarious like the whole scene's very funny um yeah. and it makes them uncomfortable but they do it in in more subtle ways too where Squirrelly dan will bring up something emotional and they're just like well to each their own but wayne's not really listening he wants the conversation to move past him so they can just not talk about it anymore yeah and he's supportive. He's not judging, but he also... No, he's,
1: he's just like, uh, he's got a lot of humility and he's like, he's kind of like normal. He's not that special. He's down to earth. Right. And so yeah. while
0: he supports Squirrely Dan, he's not receptive to the type of compassion that Squirrelly Dan wants. Yeah. And he's like
1: uh, kind of like uh, conservative in the sense that he doesn't he doesn't want things to change too much or like maybe that's the right way. He's he's not he's not he's not like uh he's easy to do in Norwegian. Groundbreaking. He's like not Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: he sticks with what's uh what's been established, what's normal. Yes, and,
0: and what makes him comfortable.
1: Yeah. And uh he I, doesn't, I, I, he doesn't explore see... new horizons.
0: Yeah And I see, I see squarely Dan as kind of more like Wayne is obviously a man of integrity and a person to look up to, but I think part of his character is defined by f- being closed off to maybe maybe I should say certain kinds of compassion, because obviously he ha- is, has a deep well of compassion and he acts on it on a regular basis. But there' are is other compassion types.
1: the right word though, isn't it experience? he experiences
0: Yeah, maybe that's a better way of saying it.
1: yeah he's, uh, he's defensive. he's like uh, very orthodox. He's a bit boring
0: <laughs> he, he is more stoic for sure.
1: yeah It's <laughs> uh, safe and predictable.
0: huh It's interesting. Well, it's a good thing we solved male, comp- you know, <laughs> we solved the male role model today, I think. Yeah, we're basically, we're
1: basically, we're basically won. I think we won. <laughs> right. I yeah, feel like we won philosophy. I think we can all shut down philosophy for now. We've done it. I'm going to go on a limb and say uh, that we won culture. We yeah, have, I we would, have, I have, would like to, I would like to thank, uh, thank Socrates. Without you, man, this wouldn't have happened. And uh, oh, there's so many, so many. Martin Luther King, of course. Uh, this, uh, I, 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 I'll thank you all. You know who you are. This was wonderful.
0: Above everything, Martin Luther King wanted a couple of white guys to tell him how it is.
1: That's yeah, it. he was <laughs> uh, waiting for that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I feel dirty for
1: even saying that. <laughs> they wanted to go to the front of the bus so they could really hear what we had to say oh (laughs) oh no (laughs) the seats back here are terrible (laughs) oh no (laughs) Uh,
0: well this this is good I, i i don't know if i feel any differently at the end at the beginning i don't know if i was supposed to but it was really fun talking about this i mean
1: yeah yeah i enjoyed talking about this but man it is a difficult subject just to grasp yeah, even trying yeah, so to get
0: some, like an idea of what's wrong.
1: Yeah, is like, there half, like half the time I'm spending so much energy just trying to like verbalize a thought that I'm not even sure if if, if, if I even even pinpointed the thought.
0: Yeah,
1: like I thought so... you think is that what I think or is it something <laughs> similar, you know? And then you start trying to find a way to verbalize this this still gestating thought.
0: Well, that's the thing is I'm going to have to go back because there were so many points where you had said something. I was like, oh, shit, man. Well, well, yeah, maybe. And now <laughs> now I got to like rethink what I think. So I'm, yeah, with yeah. It, just, I'm agreeing
1: with you. <laughs> it's, it's a rough one, I tell you.
0: Well, that is the goal. That is the goal of our... So for our listeners, we're, we wanna do, we're doing three different categories of podcasts. And one of them uh, is men's health. And we just, we want to do... Episodes where we try to give men good information to the best of our ability. I mean, we're not experts or anything,
1: but... Yeah, I mean, women have Oprah. Women have Oprah. <laughs> they get to feel good about being ladies. They get to go, you go, girl. Let's, <laughs> let's do a you go, boy. This is the tea you should be drinking to feel the best about you. And this is the kind of emotional pitfalls you've got to avoid to be your best self that's right.
0: that's right women get Oprah and men get well
1: us so they, they need yeah. someone better but suck it man it sucks to be you yeah. but hey. <laughs> hey at least someone's trying to be Oprah <laughs> oh. alright well hey uh, everybody thank you for
0: listening it was really awesome um, and Yeah, we'll see you next week
1: yeah goodbye later Okay, you had the last word then.